Welcome to another edition of the All Cardinals Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, where you get all the latest and greatest airs on the Cardinals news, analysis, insight, and more. My name is Donnie Drew, and joined every week by my co-host, Richie Bradshaw. Richie, That's we me. began our draft profile series last week with Paris Johnson. Talked so highly about him and the things he can do. Moving on to day two, our second-round pick, B.J. Ojolari, edge rusher out of LSU. Very exciting things and what he could possibly do for the team heading into 2023 and beyond. But before we get into all of that and more, how are you? I'm good, my friend. You know, it's just another day in paradise, and there's no better day than when I get to sit down with Donnie Druin and talk some football. You know how to butter me up. I really do appreciate it. Also, quick shout out: all the ASU gear in the uh, in the background. Do you host a podcast for Arizona State uh, football? I, I talk about the Sun Devils on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can check it out at Locked On Sun Devils. You know, if you're a Sun Devil fan, and I feel like there's a good amount of Arizona Cardinal fans out there that do care about the Sun Devils. I've been talking a lot about the future lately, and today I'll be talking about the recruits. So, yeah, tune in. Tune in indeed. So we're going to lock on to BJ Ojolari, the team's second round pick for the Cardinals. And a lot of, I, I don't want to say lofty expectations, but when you lose a guy like Zach Allen, when you lose a guy like JJ Watt and even cutting Marcus Golden, you're losing a lot of talent up front in the front seven, especially in terms of getting after the quarterback. The team really didn't do anything in free agency um, to fix that. Everybody thought Will Anderson Jr. was a possibility for the Cardinals at number three. Um, they took Paris Johnson at six after trading back to 12, but in the second round, they satisfied that need with B.J. Ojolari. Really quick here before we dive and give our own personal opinion into B.J. Uh, Nick Rallis, following the draft, talked very, very highly about what Ojolari can do. He said, on the field ability-wise, I love what Ojolari can do in the pass and run game. He's a very versatile dude. I think he's a very natural pass rusher, and you can see his bend, I think, coming off the edge with speed. He could beat you with speed, but as soon as he gets overset, it's not, oh, no, what happened? He's very fluid and natural with his counter rushes, and then on top of that, he could stick a long arm in there and work moves off his long arm. As far as his rush ability, he's very versatile and very natural. There's a bit of how natural is this guy rushing off the edge. He's very natural. Then I love the tools that he has in the running game as far as being able to set some violent edges and collapse the edge. That's what we are looking for at that spot now before we get into the player bj is um something that kept popping up for the cardinals as i went back and i looked at their draft class now everything unfolded richie was football character that was a recurring thing that was something mentioned a lot um, whether that be in the uh, daily recaps by general manager Monty Austin Fort or just the the entire draft recap done by Jonathan Gannon and his two coordinators um, they want guys who would be able to come in right away, not only impact things from a football standpoint, but also it's just a culture standpoint. And we have to remember, they're taking over for a 4-13 and football team who were in headlines for, it feels like, all of the wrong reasons throughout 2022. It feels like the, the last 12 months, and even up until now, it just feels like anytime the heirs and the Cardinals are in the news, it's mostly not for anything good. So I feel like there's a very conscious effort for Jonathan Gannon and company to get guys like B.J. Ojolari, who you know those better than anybody, got the coveted number 18 jersey at LSU. Yeah, and I think that's where we should start our conversation, Donnie, is for those who aren't aware, LSU has two very, very precious numbers to them. They have number seven, which they typically reserve for really, really good defensive backs and the exception of Leonard Fournette, who ended up becoming an LSU legend. That's a very important number to them. 
you've seen um, some guys that have rocked that, like uh, Tyron Matthew and Patrick Peterson. But the bigger number here and the most important number in the history of LSU Tigers football is number 18. That is a number that is distinctive. It is given to captains on the team who have high character, high ethic, both on the field and off the field as students. They don't hand that number out uh, just willy-nilly. You have to earn that number. And B.J. Ojulari earned that number. He went through his time. He was a four-star recruit coming out of Georgia. He decides to uh, take his talents down to Baton Rouge. And while he's there, he works hard as a freshman. He starts one game as a freshman. He ends up turning into a full-time starter as a sophomore, grinds his way into being a junior, who again is a full-time starter in the 11 games that he played. But he asserted himself as a leader of men on the football field. This is a high character dude. This is a guy who can be that vocal leader, but also be that passionate guy on the field who leaves it all out there for 60 minutes or 70 minutes. However long he ends up playing, he's giving his all on every down. Whether he's on the field or he's on the sideline, he's hyping his guys up. He's definitely, like I said, a leader of men. And that is absolutely one of the most attractive aspects when you were looking at him as a prospect was you looked at BJ Ojulari and you were like, you know what? I'm trying to rebuild my franchise right now. Like the Arizona Cardinals are, this is a dude I want in my locker room. I wouldn't be surprised Donnie, given the state of the edge rushing room. If BJ Ojulari became the leader of this edge rushing court, it's young guys. It's unproven guys. BJ Ojulari as a, uh, not a freshman as a rookie for the Arizona Cardinals could come in here, not only be highly productive from an edge rushing standpoint for what they have, but also be the dude who rallies the troops, who gets everyone together and is able to get the most out of my Jay Sanders, out of Cameron Thomas, out of everybody else that's on this roster. I really, really like Ojulari's prospect as a leader for the Cardinals, even as a rookie, let alone down the road, if he does blossom into the talented player that we believe he is donnie i love 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 this fit for a team that's looking for a new identity a new culture a change and a guy who can provide all of that yeah and you you hear people talk about the the whole like high character thing and you you hear that so many times and it makes sense right like you don't want knuckleheads in your locker room you don't really want anything negative coming towards the team but like almost at like a certain point you're like okay but like how is that going to help on-field performance? And I, I think Jonathan Gannon um, spoke on that issue after the draft, and he was like, look, like we aimed for the high-character guys because more times not they hit their ceiling. And it, it, it's just everything clicked after I heard that. I'm like, you know what? Not that you know getting those kinds of guys before didn't not help the roster, right? But it's like, okay, well, you, you know what you're getting off the field. You know what they're going to put in in the weight room and in training in the offseason. And, you know, you're willing to put your eggs in that basket that, hey, B.J. Ojolari is going to pan out like he should. So, um, obviously, the, the number 18 jersey for LSU, the, the high character thing, home run. But whenever it comes to on the field, I, I think B.J., phenomenal player. This is from Richie's draft profile on B.J. Ojolari. The link will be in uh, the description below. Two-year full-time starter, three-year full-time role player, good production in two seasons starting, and he has decent size, six foot two, 240-80, but only 34 and one-quarter inch arms, and then 10 and one-half inch hands. 
Richie, when, when you watched Ojolari, because I think you've watched a lot of these guys more than the average person being included, what what like popped out to you? What what made you see, okay, this guy was in first round conversation. He didn't quite go day one, but early day two pick. What what makes him that valuable as a guy that the Cardinals saw? I like his speed, Donnie. And it's funny, his brother's in the league, Aziz Ojulari playing for the New York Giants right now. When Aziz was coming out, we were talking about like this is this dude is a pure speed rusher and the ability to bend the edge by his get up and go is what makes him such an enticing prospect. Aziz was also a guy who was flirting with day one possibility, ends up going in the second round. BJ is a carbon copy. Like it's the lazy comparison because they're literally related. But if you if you only put their last names on their jersey and you gave them the same number and the same jersey, I don't know that you could tell them apart. But uh, BJ's get up and go is great. He has the same ability to bend the edge with his speed. I do like the uh, the ability for him to use those complementary skills. And what I would like to see is being able to convert that speed to power. He's got good size at 248, and it's not as though he's lacking in the functional strength department. It's just it doesn't really show too much when he's putting together his pass rushing plan. I think that he needs to refine those skills a little bit, especially when he gets to the pros. And it turns out that offensive tackles are a lot quicker in the, in the NFL than they are in college, uh, even the sec, like there's going to be guys who can get up and go very quick. No matter if he's going on the left or right side, there's great tackles on both sides of the, both sides of the offensive line at the pro level. So he's going to need to come up with a more complex pass rushing plan. I want to see him be able to convert that speed to power. Like I said, I want to see some more usage of his hands, but I do think that there's a lot already there for him. It's just a matter of refining it and getting that to the next level. This wasn't an accident that we talked about him as a potential first round pick, Donnie. It's just a matter of taking these attributes and then just taking them to the next level. Getting that completeness out of him is going to get him on the field a lot. Right now, I feel like this is a role player, but for the Arizona Cardinals, they are going to have very much choice and are going to have him probably as a full-time starter, which isn't a bad thing. The good news is you got Jonathan Gannon, who had three edge rushers with 11 or more sacks last year. If there's a guy who's going to be able to develop and get the most out of BJ Ojulari in year one, let alone down the road, it's Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, we can get into that in a little bit because um, we are going to look over the Cardinals defensive depth chart. But, I mean, if there's any team in any year to have a guy like BJ come in, be a full-time starter, and just really, like, hammer home those reps for 2024 and beyond, it's going to be the Arizona Cardinals, and it's going to be this year, you know, considering how they set themselves up. They're not exactly Lombardi Trophy contenders as we walk into 2023, I mean, there's a very good possibility that thanks to their trade with the Houston Texans, they could probably land two top five picks going the next year. And that has ramifications far beyond BJ Ojolari that we'll get into on another podcast. But, um, you know, the, you you really like some of the things you saw out of BJ. I think that the term speed and a bend is probably the most used whenever I read and I watch BJ Ojolari. I mean, just it, it's there, right? Like like the, the ability to get from point A to point B quickly. He's an is there with BJ, but I, I, I do want to ask you if he was considered the first round pick, 
right? And let's take the, the Cardinals glasses off for a little bit. Why didn't he go first round? I think that you just had a lot of other talent that pulled up into the first round. You saw a slip on the receivers, but then you had four receivers going in a row. You had three quarterbacks go in the first round, which pushes some other talent down the board. There were other edge rushers that teams fancied. We saw Will McDonald be a top 15 pick for the New York Jets, and they seemed to like that kind of profile. I think if you placed a a pew-pew to my head and asked me to tell you why BJ wasn't a first-round pick, I think teams might look at him as a bit of an undersized pass rusher who doesn't have the functional strength to be able to be a complete guy at the next level, whereas the Will Andersons and the Will McDonalds of the world do have more, more upside, I would say, than BJ. I think that's another thing is, I don't, and I'm not going to doubt that he could get there. Again, with Jonathan Gannon, I feel like anything's possible for this kid. But I feel like you looked at those other edge rushers, and it's not just those two. I just can't think of very many off the top of my head. I don't know that people are going to look at Ojulari as a 20-sack guy or a 15-sack guy or a annual 10-sack guy the way that they look at Will Anderson, who was a slam dunk first round pick, right? Yeah. Is... And sorry to interrupt you because when you look at guys like Will Anderson, like Tyree Wilson, um, Lucas Van Ness, like the, those guys, um, you had mentioned in, in the scouting report, which again, down below in the description, go to click on that after you watch this. But um, you said he was a very safe pick, right? Like he, he could come in, he could do some good things for you. But like in terms of, the ceiling and what he offers, it probably doesn't match up to a guy like Will Anderson, to a guy like Tyree Wilson. High floor, low ceiling. I think that's what people view Ojulari as. I think that he can come into the league as a six-sack guy. But again, I think that teams are going to look at him and they're like, but is this a consistent double-digit guy compared to the Tyree Wilson, the Lucas Van Ness of those? And and I mean, the other thing, uh, BJ Ojulari is a good athlete, but... Lucas Van Ness and Tyree Wilson are freaks and the NFL loves to bet on those freak athletes. And that's one of the reasons that those guys propelled themselves higher than BJ Ojulari did, even without the consistent production that Ojulari put together. Because I think if you compared their college careers, Ojulari has the better, the better complete resume compared to Tyree Wilson, who wasn't hyper productive. But again, you saw those glimpses and you were like, this dude could be Ezekiel Ansah. And you look at Lucas Van Ness and what he could do. And you're like, he did a lot of that in a reserve role, right? BJ was able to do a lot as a full-time starter compared to those guys. So where his box score looked better, the upside of the other two definitely propelled them higher than him, which is why they were both top 20 picks. Yeah, I think especially in the the first round of the NFL draft, this is something you love to say. I think I actually picked this up from you. Uh, but teams draft players for what they can become, not what they currently are. And so you, right. when you take a guy like Tyree Wilson in the top 10, is he as polished as a guy like B.J. Ojolari? As a guy like Will Anderson? No, but I mean, if you can get the most out of him and maximize his potential, you're talking about something out of this world. You're talking... Top miles away. yeah you're you're talking crazy stuff and when you look at bj ojalari it's like okay he's a very very good player but exactly where is the ceiling and how far away is that from his already very high floor but i don't think you can can deny him 
you're getting a player from day one who already has a pretty high floor, great football character. You don't have to worry about him. You're just kind of banking on, okay, can he get in the weight room? Can he start to expand his retreat a little bit just in terms of what he could do both in run and pass support? And I think if you look at his PFF grades here, 83 pass rush grade, 70.9 run defense grade. I mean, he's he's hitting all of the marks here, right? Just in terms of the, the nerds who sit behind, you know, computer screens and great football plays. Um, he's also a very versatile dude. He he showed the ability to rush between the left and the right side of the line. And I think in the, in the Jonathan Gannon defense, sorry, Nick Rallis defense, Gannon claims he's not going to There's a lot interfere. of fingerprints on, on that. Yeah, yeah. Like, Rallis is defensive coordinator, but I think Gannon will definitely have a major influence in what happens there. Um, <clears throat> they're, they're very anti-like put me in a box right like we're a three four we're four three whatever um i think he'll be able to be used on either side of the ball and i think that's going to be a very very good thing as the cardinals kind of figure out what he exactly is in their defense and what he can be moving forward 100 percent agree and i do like that you brought up the ability to be a comfortable rusher from both the left and right side i feel like when we talk about offensive tackles that makes a lot of sense but I feel like when we talk about edge rushers, people don't attribute that same thought process about switching to a different side of the line. There's a lot of different things that go into that. First of all, you now have two different built offensive tackles. You typically have the big, boulder-sized right tackle, and you have another solid-sized guy, but the more finesse guy on the left side. Having to adjust to that, in between downs, let alone just a transition from year like one year to another, having to do that on a consistent basis requires a pass rusher to develop those different plans, have different counter moves, have different ideas and overall thought processes on how they're going to get to the quarterback. These offensive tackles aren't the same on both sides of the line. So for BJ Ojulari to have that comfortability to rush off the left side or rush off the right side, or maybe even the Cardinals get creative and blitz them up the middle or something like that. That's a really like, I'll, I'll just say it. it's a very sexy attribute when you're looking at a, a pass rusher is that ability to be flexible. It's one of the things that has made guys like TJ Watt so successful is his ability to come off of both sides compared to some other uh, role play pass rushers. I can't think of any specific examples, but there's guys who are just simply limited to one side of the line. That's not a bad thing, but it's it's something that is a very underrated aspect when you're looking at your pass rushers is their ability to be comfortable blitzing from anywhere along the defensive front. So for Ojulari to have that comfortability, that's just another reason that we talk about him as a high floor player, Donnie. He's already got a lot in his toolbox. It's just a matter of refining it to the pro level. Yeah, and underrated indeed, because when, when you look at uh, a typical NFL offensive line, normally there's one good solid tackle, and then there's another kind of whatever. Very rarely do teams have two outstanding, phenomenal tackles on the left and right side. Let's say BJ Ojolari emerges as Arizona's number one pass rusher. The ability for Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rallis to deploy him on whatever offensive tackle is weaker, and it also helps with keeping the offensive coordinator guessing in terms of game planning of where Ojolari is going to be at. I mean, in order for them to like having that ability to put Ojolari as that kind of like chess piece as a right. pass rusher along the front seven, dude, 
it, it, it will be so fun um, to watch him deploy him if he is indeed kind of using that role, but at least that option's there, right? Yes. And the one thing that we call those kind of people in the industry, Donnie, we call them game wreckers and we call them uh, uh, matchup nightmares. When you have guys like BJ Ojulari that give you more than one thing, it's something that defense or offensive coordinators are going to sit up and they're like, man, we got to find a way to protect for BJ Ojulari. We're going to find a way to chip him with tight ends or running backs or fullbacks or whatever. We're going to design quarterback bootlegs to get him out of whatever side BJ is rushing off of. You're just going to have to make sure that with a guy that's versatile and refined like BJ Ojulari is coming into the league, let alone once he continues to be refined and get to that next level, teams are just going to have to prepare for Ojulari. No, for sure. And we, we talked a lot about Ojulari and what he can do and him potentially becoming Arizona's number one pass rusher. Very long time for him to kind of settle his feet into the league. Um, you know, that that's something that hopefully will happen down the road, but I don't want any expectations placed on him right away in 2023. But there is going to be ample opportunity for him to emerge as Arizona, Arizona's number one pass rusher in 2023. I mean, you look at the the competition with him, MyJ Sanders and Cameron Thomas, who admittedly so didn't see a ton of playing time last year. Um, I feel like both of those guys kind of flashed what they were able to do. If you're making me pick one guy over another, I'm probably going to lean Cam Thomas at this point. I, I don't think that's a negative connotation on MyJ. Um, but I, I, I think the opposite interesting yeah um, i i really like my chase profile interesting I, I think we need to do a uh like a position battles podcast ahead of like training you should bookmark that idea and we can we can break it down bit by bit that sounds like fun that sounds like a lot of fun but just in terms of where ojalari is on the depth chart um Dude, there's going to be so much opportunity for him because there's not like a solidified set and stone starter, whether you lean Cam Thomas, whether you lean Maje Sanders, and you even look at the other guys too, like uh, Victor Dumikije, Dennis Gardek, like Jesse Lukita. Like th- those are not names that make me super confident that Ojalari isn't going to see the field. LJ Collier. Oh, yeah, LJ Collier. Ugh. But like even then, like you know, I don't think BJ is gonna like put his hand to dirt and be used as like a defensive end in the NFL. I so, don't know, man. I, I think there's for him. yeah, and like th- there's just so many different things you can do with them. Um, the talent is there, the the floor is there, the high character, football, all that good stuff. That's all there. The opportunity is going to be there. Do you have any closing thoughts on BJ Ojolari? Because it seems like Arizona, the, the Cardinals talk like they got a steal for him in the second round. I'm not sure steal would be the, the right word in my eyes, but it looks to be like they got a very, very good football player, somebody you don't have to worry about outside of the facility, a guy who can come in and contribute right away while also kind of building his profile for the future as well. Right. I think the biggest takeaway for Cardinal fans is to, Understand, this isn't a defensive rookie of the year candidate. This isn't a guy who you should expect massive production year one. If he gets you five sacks as a rookie, you should be very happy with that. If he's a guy who can start 10-plus games, you should be very happy with that. Is this If this is a guy who can play 60% of the snaps, you should be very happy with that. Make sure you temper your expectations. He was a second-round pick for a reason. This is a guy that they want to develop and eventually become a full-time role player for the team. So make sure that you understand 
that, and, and this goes for every Cardinals rookie that's coming in and the rookies next year. These are guys that need time in a rebuilding franchise right now, but also understand that there's plenty of reason to be excited for BJ Ojulari. So while I tell you temper your expectations, I also tell you to really, uh, really think about how exciting he is as a prospect to be able to take that next step as a, as a player. All right. That just about does it. That wraps up our rookie profile on BJ Ojolari. Paris Johnson down BJ Ojolari down. Garrett Williams is up next. Garrett I'm really Williams excited next. to get into him because he can, he can be something. I, I think you can argue that he has a higher ceiling. About steals? That's yeah. a steal. But That's plenty of time ahead for us to talk about that. For Richie Bradshaw, I am Donnie Druin. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the All Cardinals Podcast. Go ahead and follow our work at allcardinals.com or si.com slash NFL slash Cardinals. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at RichieBrads36 at Donnie Druin. Until next time, we'll see you. <laughs>